Okay, so I've told Clayson that I'm not going to read out anything. I'm just going to speak to some of the issues. Um, maybe on the African Peace Mission and in the room, we've also got um, Mr. Zahir Lahir who can add in on the peace mission as he was in Kiev. And we've also got some of our international legal experts if some of these questions um, are asked. But just on the peace mission, so a quick pricey on this. Um, South Africa has been calling for negotiations since the onset of the conflict. From our very first statement last year, we were, uh, we were saying that the only way that this war is going to end is through negotiations. Um, we kept on making those statements as the instability, regional instability grew, um, global instability, as the food supply chains got interrupted, as the energy supply chains got interrupted, and uh, we amplified this message as the threat of the use of a weapon of mass destruction increased. When we first made remarks about the potential of the use of a weapon of mass destruction, some of our, our partners in the international community said it's a bluff, it's not going to happen. But I think when the tactical nukes started being deployed in places like Belarus, um, there was increasing concern that perhaps we were not that far off the mark. So <clears throat> President Ramaphosa has been engaging with, with other presidents behind the scenes for quite a while around what's, what can Africa do, um, particularly um, given the fact that Although we're quite far away from the physical conflict, the impact on, on Africa is significant in terms of the food crisis. Um, but also, the, it wasn't just food insecurity. I think the general insecurity that we found the world um, emerging in demanded that some prominent countries and individuals play a leading role. Um, so the president then engaged with other African heads of state. Um, there were also other initiatives um, from, from the Brazzaville Foundation and others, and these intersected. Um, but what started with civil society in some ways got taken over substantively by heads of state and foreign ministers um, and diplomatic work behind the scenes. Um, and negotiated the space to engage with President Zelensky, negotiated with space to engage with President Putin. The issues that, in, that were to be put on the table was the most important issue. So you had various peace plans. You had a peace plan emerging from Turkey. Brazil had a particular approach to peace. China had its own 10-point plan. And of course, <clears throat> Ukraine had a, its own 10-point plan. What we did, um, on behalf of the other delegations from Africa is we looked at all the peace plans. We looked at where do they, where, where the commonalities are and where the divergences were. And we found there were very little divergences, particularly when China also introduced into their own framework the very important principle of um, territorial sovereignty and integrity. Um, so we put together a document that outlines what the key common grounds were, and then also discussed and, and, and workshopped 
um, literally, I think, with other heads of states and foreign ministers, what would be the confidence-building measures? Uh, we've identified a few confidence-building measures, including, for example, prisoner exchange, the release of children, um, you know, the removal of the embargo on negotiations with President Putin within Ukraine. There were a few others. Um, and <clears throat> once this was agreed on as a framework for presentation by the African heads of state, they engaged with President Putin, um, well, first with President Zelensky, and then immediately afterwards with President Putin. Um, and what the presidents brought to the fore were, were these key principles. And the principles are important because the, the main principles um, that were stated in different ways all revolved around the Charter, the UN Charter. Um, um, perhaps the most important one is that um, respect for territorial integrity, um, especially of Ukraine in this instance. Um, the principle that you cannot change the borders of a country through the use of force, and nor can you annex land through the use of force. So these are all key charter principles that the heads of states engaged with. Um, of course, there may have been different ways of interpreting that and engaging with that, but it's important that this was put on the table. Um, <clears throat> so this marked the first time that a grouping of African heads of state intervened in such an important initiative. Um, and South Africa didn't play a, a minor role. I do think that we say that we did not lead this, but we were a leading part of this. And we worked um, collaboratively with other heads of state. This was followed very shortly by a meeting in Copenhagen. Um, and this was a meeting of national security advisors and what they termed political directors. It was a G7 meeting, but the G7 meeting that included South Africa, Brazil, India, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. Turkey is a member of NATO, but not a member of G7. Um, and in that meeting, we again put forward the key principles. And the key principles that I've just outlined again was presented by South Africa and Brazil. Um, and it's interesting that Brazil and South Africa presented this because there's not general agreement on these principles. Remember, many of the actors in this conflict do not necessarily agree that you cannot annex land through the use of force. They've allowed it in many other contexts. But it's a key principle, and we thought it should be applied consistently. At the end of that meeting, I think there was an agreement on the principles but not an agreement on how to implement them towards a peace framework. <clears throat> we were quite, we, we, we listened and appreciated the, the fact that many of the NATO countries did not want what they called a, a frozen conflict, which means that you stop the war, but the actual conditions that precipitated the war continues. We felt that, well, that's an important consideration. If one puts these negotiating principles emanating from the Charter right up front, you then do away with the idea that you can accept a frozen conflict. So that is still part of what we need to discuss with the partners as we deepen what will be the, the 
the platform for negotiating around peace. Um, so I just wanted to, to link those two because they're not completely delinked. I think the African Peace Initiative laid the basis for the Copenhagen meeting to take place. Um, so what, what this means is that and one of the issues that was remarked on in the Copenhagen meeting was an acknowledgement that South Africa, Brazil, and India more than most have convening power. And the convening power arises out of the stances we took. So the very stances that we were derided for, for being non-aligned and actively non-aligned, were the actual positions that allowed us to convene. And have convening powers of both um, Ukrainians, the Russian side, and others, whereas you find that some of the G7 colleagues, because of their role in NATO, had less convening power, and this was acknowledged. Um, you know, and we, we, we take that seriously. We think that we need to work with others in, in, the, in the global community um, so that collectively we can find a solution to a war that has huge ramifications for not just the issues of food security, but also um, a new nuclear um, race, you know, race to the bottom. Um, but one of the other issues, and maybe Zaire can talk about that, is we are in this space also putting forward the important principle that we feel should be taken up by the global community, that there should be a total prohibition on the use of nuclear weapons. We don't believe that any particular country has the right to own or use nuclear weapons. Um, and this emanates from the fact that there's a very real threat of a nuclear configuration if the belief continues that you can win this war through conventional means. We maintain that this war will not be settled through any conventional warfare. The other issue Clayson asked me to just talk about very briefly is on the envoys and the work of the envoys. Unfortunately, um, Professor Sidney Mafumari could not be here with us this morning. He wanted to be here. Um, but he was <clears throat> part of the he was leading the first group of envoys to the U.S. And the major task of that, that delegation was to explain to our partners in the U.S. South Africa's position, explain what active non-alignment means, explain why we took certain positions in the U.N., explained in detail what our explanations of vote meant, and that you shouldn't just look at the X's in boxes, you should be looking at what are the principles that we outline when we explained the positions around being pro-peace, anti-war, um, and why we needed the space to engage in negotiations. Um, we found that there was appreciation from this within our counterparts within the U.S. We met with all the major players um, in the White House, um, the State Department, Pentagon, the intelligence services, um, and, and really had in-depth discussions you know, some of it which we obviously can't share yet, but just to to say that it was reasonably successful. We also engaged with American business around issues pertaining to Agoa. And interesting that from the business perspective, what they were more concerned about was that while we have preferential access to the U.S. through Agoa, we also have trade agreements with the competitors in Europe. So it was really market-related, trade-related matters for them, 
Um, and, and we then wanted to ensure that none trade-related matters did impact on the manner in which AGOA is um, discussed going forward. Um, so <clears throat> I think that that was important to just underline. There will be the envoys will continue their work, but this time not just to the U.S. They'll be going to talk to all the G7 countries, um, essentially to continue to explain South Africa's position and now also the African peace initiative and the principles that I've just outlined, why these are important to guide any peace negotiations. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that, Tyson, and then um, take more, take, we can engage more in the question and answer session.